Hi, I'm Suzanne. And I'm Peter. And here we are with Sex Advice for Seniors. And we're here with Rhiannon Johns from bedbible.com talking about a rather disturbing and alarming study that came out from the Journal of Sex Research that revealed that men were twice as likely to employ coercive tactics for sex. Horrifying. Welcome, Rhiannon. Tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm a sexologist for Bed Bible. Um, I do a lot of research into different aspects of sexuality. My keen interest is how people use pornography for pleasure. Um, but I do like all aspects of sex. It's very broad and polarizing, and I'm very much interested in all aspects. So that's a, that's a bit about me. And where did you study this? I'm just curious. I have a Master of Sexology, and I studied that at Curtin University in Perth, Australia. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, there's not so many places in the world that do it. I think there's about three or something like that. So there were a lot of, um, I'm Australian, but there was a lot of international students that come from all over the world just to study the Study sex. That's cool. If I was a young person again, I'd probably be trying to get a master's in sexology, but (laughs) too old for that now. I got one. Maybe they'll give me one. What do they call it when they give you one because you've just done it so often? An honorary. An honorary. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. Honorary, honorary doctorate in your case. <laughs> An honorary doctorate in sexology. I'd love that. God, my parents would just love that. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, this study said that men are very much more likely to persuade a partner to take their clothes off, for instance, 41% compared to women, 25%, probably because women don't actually want to see men without their clothes on. But. Um, <laughs> I'm just just being facetious. But yeah, what do you think were some of the reasons that men are more likely to coerce women into bed? Being serious. Um, I think it's just the societal culture that that men have grown, all of us have grown up in. I think that unfortunately, for many, many reasons, various factors that men feel like they are more entitled to sex from women. Um, in comparison to women, they don't feel as entitled to sex. Um, I think a lot of the time in our culture, we view men as the pursuers of sex mm. and women as the objects that have sex put upon them. So I think that 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 pertains to these findings. I I remember when I was younger, I hate to reveal this actually, but back when I was younger, it wasn't that uncommon when we were in our 20s because we didn't have access to pornography or anything. Men used, I I remember young men used to say to me when they got a hard on, you're going to have to do something because it hurts when it goes down. (laughs) That's a very, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that men say. Do you remember that, Peter? Not you. I mean, did you ever use that one? Oh, well, there are all sorts of there's all sorts of nonsense that men say about you know not if I you know it's it's like a samurai sword you know if you get it out of its trousers then it's got to be used you know <laughs> sort of stuff you know it's just nonsense is it but it, is it is it coercion you know to use that sort of mythology and that sort of attitude? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it would be constituted as a verbal form of coercion. Yeah. Or like manipulation, like you're trying to convince the person that this needs to be done, otherwise something bad's going to happen. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, that sounds, sounds about right to me. I was quite surprised that it was only twice as many men as women uh, who were interested interested in coercing uh, people into bed, women into bed. Um, was, is, was that a surprise to you as well? Um, what was surprising to me is that um, this study in particular had kind of replicated other studies that have been done similarly in the past, and they found that women were, in this study, women were more likely to perceive people uh, or like to use coercive tactics than before. So that was quite um, alarming to me. And I, I was thinking about it. And I think that maybe one of the reasons is that we have like a more egalitarian or equality between the between all genders. Mm. So maybe there's less of that. Women are becoming the pursuers now. Mm. Um, where before they weren't. So maybe that's why women are more likely to use coercive tactics now. But, yeah, that was what was alarming for me. Mm. I Mm. suppose, though, that women as well, that, that attitudes are that if you're a woman and you make yourself available for sex and you say to a man that you are available for sex, then there is a high likelihood that he will have sex with you because yeah. he wants to have sex and he, <laughs> and if you make it very clear that you also want to have sex then it's a win-win from both sides is that coercion on a woman's part now i would say it's not personally i would say if i say hey i'm up for it are you up for it i'm not coercing anybody he could no. say he could say no i'm not up for it right if on the other hand he says Uh, I'm a bit drunk, right? And he's a bit drunk. And he says, hey, what do you think? What about it? You fancy it? And I say, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm I'm a little drunk. I'm not sure. Um, I don't, oh, come on, come on. Like to me, that is starting to move into coercion when you're starting to go, oh, come on. You know, you know, you know, it'll be fun right? I mean, there's different levels of coercion. And I suspect that part of the issue is that a lot of people do have to be drunk or on drugs or something to feel comfortable enough to have sex with other people, because not everybody's comfortable with that level of intimacy. And so therefore, sometimes maybe a little bit of prompting is what's required. Um, Yeah, I think the first... I'm playing devil's advocate here, by the way, for you, just to you know yeah I think the first the first example you gave was like an example of like healthy communication like are you up for it like asking people that's getting into consent but then the second one is kind of a little bit more a little bit more coercive like kind of putting the pressure on someone Mm. to do so I mean Mm. I guess it does a lot of people if you think about going on dates a lot of people have a few drinks it's a very normal part normal aspect of our society to do so so um I think that that's where it starts to get a bit murky because where do we draw the line about how much is too much to drink to be able to give consent or not Mm. Um, yeah even for me as a sexologist I I it's still 
murky for me. I don't know where to draw the line. Yeah, and- it's very difficult. And then when it comes to, you know, if it should come to a court of law later on, that's usually where the whole thing breaks down, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Deciding what is coercion and what is consensus and what is, you know, how far do you go? It's, just, it's that murky ground between between saying, are you up for it? And, you know, and sticking a GHB or whatever it is in, in somebody's drink, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other thing I was thinking, of course, is that when you're in a situation where two people might be very drunk and they sort of tumble into bed and one person is the kind of person who blacks out and can, which can sometimes happen, um, if you've drunk too much and you wake up next to somebody and the person goes, Oh God, uh, I don't remember who, who who are you? Or did I do, did we do something? This actually Mm. did happen to somebody who was somebody that was a friend of my kids actually. And, uh, he said, what do you mean? Yeah, of course we did. And she said, Oh, I don't remember agreeing to that. And he had a rape charge put on him. Um, and that was very, and that turned out to be a very serious allegation that led to, as you can appreciate, quite serious consequences. And when the whole Me Too thing came on, part of the thing about you know sex advice for seniors, I always think as well is that it's not just about our generation who have come to porn quite late, frankly. You know, it's being able to talk to our kids about this stuff and being comfortable mm. in talking to our kids about it. And we did have a conversation around that whole Me Too thing around consent because I could see I have two boys. I could see that it was really starting to bother them about had they ever been in a circumstance themselves where perhaps it had been not fully consensual. And by that, it is around that murkiness. It's that it's that it's not like where what we think about in the movies, you know, where it's like, oh, come on, babe, you know, you want to do it. It is that kind of fine line of I might have had a little too much to drink. Mm. I might have taken a pill. You know, I mean, it is difficult. No, for sure. And that's why like a lot of consent education is just saying that if people drink, they can't they can't consent to having sex. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult though. You can't, you can't draw the line. Like, where do you draw the line? It's different for for different people. People have a different threshold to alcohol. Yeah, mm. yeah. and there's many variables. You're drinking out in the sun all the sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what we so going back to this survey, what you know, in a in a way, what we're asking is, what the hell does it actually mean? Like, because if it if you're saying that it's it's literally you can have one drink, you suggest that you might want to go to sleep with, you know, somebody and they sort of are a little bit drunk. Is that coercion? Like where, what, it, what does this actually mean that men are more likely? Because, you know, what, what constitutes, what is it really? So the study was looking at how people perceived other people like a person of the other gender. Just for context, um, it only examined cis heterosexual people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some bisexual people, but um, they did, there were some lesbian people and gay people and they were omitted from the study because um, they examined how men and women perceived other people's 
coming on to them as sexual or non-sexual. So it could have been a friendly intent. Right. Um, so they were trying to look at that and then what that has to do with sexual coercion. So what they found was that people that were like more likely to um, think that a friendly kind of chat was more sexual were more likely to use coercion to um, get the people to have sex with them. Oh, mm. okay. okay. And what, what does that mean? What, what does that mean, coercion? What, what te- techniques do, are used? Is that covered? Yeah, they examined um, four different types of coercion or four different questions that people were using. So, um, like, how likely were you, they asked the participants, how likely were you to um, try and get the person to remove their clothes? How likely were you to say things you didn't mean to get the person to have sex with you? So that could be like, oh, you're really pretty or whatever. Yeah. They didn't specify. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, how would you get the person drunk to have sex with you? Mm. And would you have sex with the person even if the person protested? All right. So the first two um, were verbal coercion and the last two were illegal coercion. Mm. Uh Um, So just examining that kind of murkiness where we don't know, we're kind of thinking, we're on a date, we're kind of thinking that everything's going well, they want to have sex with us, but how do we actually know? And then Mm. we're thinking that this person does want to have sex with us, then people are more likely to go and try and use these coercive tactics. Mm. So it's examining that and then that provide that shows us that we have a need to educate these people, particularly men. Mm. Yeah. And and when I think back to scenarios I have seen in pornography, these sorts of tactics are very common. You know, yes. how many times have we seen a girl sitting twiddling her thumbs on a bed you know, in a kind of like innocent sort of way. And the guy walks in and says like, Hey, what are you doing? And everything. And then he gets, and she goes, Oh, what are you doing to me? And he goes, Oh, but you really like it, don't you? And so, you know, and, and, and so it goes and, and, and it all escalates from there. So, so we see in pornography a lot, Mm -hmm coercive like all the time all the time in fact in fact probably 90 percent of the time it's 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 part of the whole narrative of pornography is that a girl is giving in a woman is giving in she's she's acquiescing there's this level of dominance that goes on in the relationship that makes you know that she's slightly subservient in most cases and he's trying to get her into bed trying to coerce her into bed the teacher student fantasy is all about that you know the stepfather fantasy like it's all it's all wrapped up in all of this sort of stuff so yeah. it it does permeate our society and it's not unusual that i suspect primarily young men watch this shit and think yeah, well, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of um, it's it goes back to the no means no thing. Um, I think a lot of young men. I don't. I don't know. And we. I think we should should um, shift the uh, attention to older men, older people. Um, in a minute, but um, but you know, there's in pornography. There's a lot of the message that when women say no, they actually mean yes. They don't mean no at all, and and that's the real pernicious thing about pornography, I think, or at least some, 
you know, quite a lot of pornography where, you know, there's token resistance is put up and then mm. and then it's overcome and then not but then in mainstream media, I was just watching that film recently, um that's been made about um how shots are constructed in mainstream films, you know, that they're all about you know, how um, the woman at first resists, but eventually will give in properly, you know, when she properly mm. recognises that she really loves this guy and the rest of it. I mean, it's not just in pornography. It's where the whole of society is soaked with this idea that women really just want to, you know, they just want to meet their ideal man and all you've got to do is, you know, pretend to be the ideal man, basically. <laughs> No, definitely. And like even a lot of films, just normal Hollywood films are shot with the male gaze. Yeah. Mm. And what's the what's the test called? I forget what it's called. Oh, the um the oh, the test where there's women's uh, speech and men's yeah. speech. It's something with a B. That's yeah, I was gonna say bechamel, but that's the source. Yeah, right? I want to say bechamel or something like that. Like <laughs> bechamel. <laughs> bechamel. bechamel. Beckman, yeah, it's something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it definitely, like, the harmful media portrayals of women definitely need to be addressed in not only pornography, but I think just in general mainstream media as well in order for to have a cultural shift of the, these changes in the way that um, men but also women think about obtaining sex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... It's very challenging, mostly in this society where we're now so afraid of offending anyone, for anyone to know whether anyone wants to have sex with you. <laughs> you can just say it straight up. We can just have these normal conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. and just take that, take that on yourself. Have some. <laughs> oh, I do. Look, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. In fact, in fact, um, there was there was somebody somebody said something um like I really want to kiss you now and I thought um god that's so funny that was my line in my 40s <laughs> that was my that was my thing I used to say I really want to kiss you now and then either they did or they didn't most I I can't remember anyone not no I wanting to but but um but yeah I always thought that was like a really kind of cute way of of expressing my desire without saying, you know, I want to have sex with you or fuck you or whatever. I just thought that yeah, was. There's definitely cute ways. We just got to get creative. Yeah. And I think people don't know how to get creative. How do we learn how to get creative, Rihanna? Because I think there's a lot of people just going, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I think that there's a lot of ways. I think that education is is key. Um, there's a lot of resources out there on the internet. This a podcast, for example. Um, and I mean, the the what you access depends on you as a person. But there's a lot of resources out there, um, particularly these days, that kind of teach people how to get creative, how to use mm. language, mm. verbal language, yeah. rather than body language. Um, to negotiate consent with people. What's your favorite resources? I'm curious to know. Oh my God, there's so many. I I, I was scared you were going to ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm going to ask you this. Um, there's this play, there's a online resource that's called. Um, this is not so much consent, but there's an online resource called. Um, oh my God, yes. 
and that has like um sexual videos of how to please people and like how to do like masturbation techniques on yourself mm. that's a really good um a good resource there's another person on the socials um i believe their name is consent wizard and oh. they have um they have a lot a lot of like an exorbitant um knowledge on consent mm. so if you're looking um to um learn about that think, yeah, if you're looking to expand your knowledge on consent, I would definitely check out Consent Wizard. Um, they're def- they're on Instagram, but I think TikTok as well. Mm, mm. Oh, great! I don't know them at all. No, Consent I think, Wizard. I think your um, I really want to kiss you now is is quite a good way of doing it. Actually, I think it's. <laughs> I like that. That's cute. I, I think it's a nice way, and I I use it occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you stole it from me no, you stole I, I, it from me I, I like to think not but um uh but it is different for men and women i think um i don't know if, are men taking more of a risk by saying that that it can be taken the wrong way i i don't know i don't know but um certainly i, I imagine the hit rate is a lot lower for men than it is for women if you know, as a result of saying that. But it seems like a good way, a good way, a non-coercive way to open a whole subject, you know, open the possibility. Yeah. I think it's cute for all genders too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm about it. You're a fan of I really want to kiss you now? Yeah, okay. I'm, a, I'm team, I want to kiss you. Can I kiss you now? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if there's a, that was my favorite one. That was always my go-to. I have to say, mm. my go-to one is I really want to kiss you now. But what about um, people that have been in a relationship for a long time? You know, talking about well, the older that's generation. True. You know, do you, it's very difficult to say to say to someone you've been with for twenty, thirty, forty years, and sort of turn around and say, "I really want to kiss you now." I mean, maybe that is the way to do it, but. Um, but I think it becomes more difficult the longer you've been in a relationship, doesn't it? I think it does. But then I think there's also a lot more opportunity to um, speak about consent and boundaries with your with your partner. Mm. I think there's a lot more we can really delve into how they feel at particular times when they need their space. Mm. Um, so I think that that's very beneficial for long-term partners. Um, and then we also have that kind of, just that healthy communication well not all of us but we have that communication and we can advocate for ourselves and we need space Mm -hmm. or we can pick that up in our partners if they need space or and they're not feeling it at the moment Mm. I mean one of the issues that we encounter of course in long-term relationships especially when people are when women are going through the menopause that you can lose you know your libido Sometimes there's issues around erectile dysfunction, stuff like that. And what we know, of course, is that the longer you're in a relationship, the more having that healthy communication between yourself is becomes really, really important. Mm. Otherwise, there is there can become a tendency for one or the other person to stop becoming interested and for coercion to take place in that long-term relationship because often the man says sex is a part of who I am my sexual desire is a part of who I am and if a woman if their partner turns around and says I'm just not interested anymore there are some 
therapists, and I'm not completely against this, if I'm honest, who believe that sometimes you should just have sex with your partner, even if you don't want to. Um, Because just having Mm. regular sex, even sometimes when you may not feel up to it, can create you know, can continue intimacy. Whereas if you stop it and you stop it for too long, and I know because I stopped for four years in my marriage and I don't know if Peter stopped, Mm. but you know, when you're in a long-term relationship, it's very easy to stop. And then it's very easy for it to become imbalanced where one person is desperate for it and the other person is not. And it's tough not to be coercive if you're the one who's really got the high libido. It's tough. You have to, it takes a, we've had numerous chats on sex advice for seniors about this and how you can maintain communication and long-term relationships, which none of us, me and Peter, have managed to do. Mm. So that's exactly what I was going to say. It's very easy for me to sit here and be a sexologist and say, well, like healthy communication is the way, like for menopause, other sexual disorder dysfunctions like ED and stuff like that. It's very easy to say. (laughs) <laughs> like healthy communication but I know the same as in my relationship like we're all human yeah, sometimes yeah. we shut down sometimes we don't want to mm. talk and I have that conversation with my husband and, <laughs> and it looks bad when you're a sexologist <laughs> I, I think that we have to acknowledge the part that we're all yeah, human yeah. and there's a lot of stresses in modern day life that like kind of work against us having that healthy communication so I think that yeah acknowledging that it's hard is half the battle as well yeah 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 and it and and sometimes the coercion is born you know coercion is born out of different things right I mean it's a very big word to mean a lot of different things for me it's there's a massive difference between going to a club or an an environment where I've just met somebody randomly I've had a bit too much to drink and he's trying to get me into bed and I don't really know this guy, right? Versus being in a long-term relationship where my partner really wants to have sex. I'm not that up for it. And I'm like going, you know what? Just, just do it. I have friends that definitely, they just say, I have sex with my partner twice a week because he likes having sex twice Mm. a week. It doesn't do anything for me, but I want him to be happy. So there is a consent around that in that they are consenting to be, you know, in this situation where it's not all about them, but they're keeping somebody happy versus a situation where it's anonymous. I don't really know this person. I don't really care if I know them again and I'm being coerced. So I think coercion is very gray. There's a lot of grayness in general around that word and what it means to at any one time. Mm. Sometimes you kind of want to be coerced because it's role play and it's kind of fun. You know? Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> that's something I wouldn't, we don't need to get into today. That's for another episode because I was going for hours. <laughs> yeah. Fetishizing coercion. We know about mm. that one. But... Non-consensual, consensual sex. It's, you know, it's a very nuanced topic. That yeah. Requires a lot of extremely difficult (laughs) but but yeah I mean I think you know what it boils down to is that wherever possible yes means yes and no means no right yes 
when we can, but recognizing the nuances and the gray area between that. And then that's the time that we really need to bring out that healthy communication, whether it's been 10 years or 10 minutes. And well, it's hard. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yeah. There's, there's our kind of 30 minutes, I think, because I think we started a bit yeah, wacky, but anyway, we're kind of there. Thank you so much for coming on board. And and just in general, tell us just a little bit of background on Bed Bible and what you guys do. And yeah, because we didn't really talk about that. Yeah, so bedbible.com is a site primarily doing um, reviews of different types of sex toys. So before you, it's kind of like a try before you buy thing, because obviously you can't return them. <laughs> Um, yeah if um, I'd only known that about the pocket rocket I bought the other day that literally was waking up my entire neighborhood I think I'd put yeah I have to put three three pillows on top of it it was I've given up so I'm just giving head up. to bed bible because yeah. it has a very in-depth um reviews of different toys and oh, also good. a lot of sex education content on the blog there so um yeah relatively news just starting out but it's a very good resource for people um particularly if you want to know if your sex toy is going to wake up the whole neighborhood or not <laughs> honestly this thing i bought is so loud it's just ridiculous i think i'm gonna it's I, it's okay if it's gonna massage my shoulders because obviously i can just sit in my living room with it but for any other part of my body there is a there is a scary factor to it as well where i keep thinking if i use it, it's going to take my clit off and it's kind of scary that thought <laughs> no, so, be there are some there are some um some vibrators and different types of sex toys that connect with the app and you can you can um change the intensity of the vibrations so then you can kind of control the noise oh that's good to know yeah we vibe and the ones with the app so the one uh, the way to go we vibe we vibe i've seen those yeah. yeah We need to do some. We need to talk more about sex toys. We haven't done that in a in a future yeah, episode. We're gonna we're gonna get nitty gritty about about sex do some toys. Research I think, we haven't done we haven't done that. I don't think so. We'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can dump my drawer out and go. Yeah, no, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I've got my little drawer just next to it here. It's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, lovely to talk to you. You too. Thank you. And, thank you for having me. Uh, Bye-bye. And thank you. And we'll put all the links and everything in the summary. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Have a good afternoon, evening, night. I don't know what time it is. <laughs>